You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, how many games in a row can this Mariner team win? And is now at seven and nine of their last ten. They're even winning on Wednesdays, so we know everything is moving in the right direction. What a great lead-in to Jerry Depoto. Jerry, this is getting kind of boring. How many uh, how many young pitchers can you bring up that are all just good as soon as they get here? I'm not bored. I, I, I think it's uh, it's been so fun to watch, and Emerson did a great job. Stayed so composed last night. I thought and. It's it's been a real tribute to our pitching programs from the minor leagues up. You know, the uh, the recently departed Max Weiner, who will miss greatly as our minor league pitching coordinator, and Max Pierpont, and the guys that have done such a wonderful job for us in player development through the years, and just keep delivering. And you know, we, we keep getting somebody in their young twenties who shows up and, and drives us even further into what is turning out to be a pretty interesting season. It's done this before. I mean, to Jeff Passon was on with us yesterday and said, listen, just in the last couple of years, they have drafted and developed an entire rotation with Logan and Kirby and Miller and Wu. And then we get to see finally Hancock last night. Salt throws in Williamson as well. I know he was traded. But are there other organizations that have done that around baseball over the last couple decades with an entire rotation and not just up, but performing at the level that these guys have? You know, I, I mean, we'd like to think that we've done it well, and, and I think the, the results so far have been terrific for us. I think Cleveland uh, has been, you know, in that general ballpark in, in recent years. Uh, I could look back at guys like Shane Bieber and, you know, the recently traded Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie. I, I don't know if anybody's, you know, filled out a rotation, you know, five or six deep in that category, but I, it's just you have to have depth. To, to build, uh, to have winning teams. And, and the foundation that we built with our pitching was the primary focus when we started this, this roster build back in, you know, it really started in 2018. And when we started, the, the, the thought process was build on a foundation of pitching. We're going to add around it. And, you know, starting pitching really has been the foundation of this team for a while. And, you know, we've, we've, we've been missing Robbie Ray and Marco Gonzalez and, and now Brian Wu. And, and when that happens, you have to be able to tap into your system and, and then they've delivered every time. And we seem to not miss a beat. Is there, you know, you mentioned all the people involved in that development. Is there one phrase, one key element to what they've all worked on, one sort of guiding principle that has helped bring these guys up like this? You know, I, I know it sounds a little bit cliche by this point. You have been listening to it for eight years, but it's dominate the zone. That's what we do. And when when pitchers come into our system, the the challenge or the the instruction from ground level, from rookie ball up, is we throw strike one. That's what we do. We get ahead and we work ahead and and we attack the strike zone. And you know, today with our minor leaguers up and down our system, we are number one in baseball in throwing strike one. We have a higher strike one or, or first strike percentage than any other organization in baseball because that's what we focus on. And, you know, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called the Pearson effect or something like that. But uh, it's, it is the notion is you, you, you track it and you will be better at it. And we post it for the guys every day. They see it coming up through development. They take pride in it. And, 
you know, we win our OOs and then we win our one ones. And if we do that, we're going to win the game. And I'm going to guess, Jerry, that, uh, well, kind of that old saying that winning begets winning. But in this case, it's, it's not necessarily just winning. It's pitching dominance there that uh, the St. Louis Cardinals over the years and the decades, right, pretty renowned as well, and Atlanta through their years. But I'm going to guess these young guys, when they come up, are like, uh, yeah, this works. Like I, I, I now see all of these previous <laughs> examples of the guys that you know have been in this organization ahead of me, right, and have tracked and have done this and seen the success on the field. So I'm, I'm going to guess the continuity of, of your staff and development and the success of others probably creates a pretty immediate buy-in for the young guys. Yeah, and it's a, we're starting to develop a real positive reputation around the league for what our pitching people have done. And, and it's not just, you know, Trent and Woody in the big leagues. It's, it's the analysts that surround them. It's people in our, like I said, in our player development programs. And, you know, we've, we've, we've tapped into something that we do well. And, and then we go find pitchers who we feel like have the tools or, or the, the aptitude, the makeup to fit into these programs and excel. And, and when they walk in the door, sometimes I think the response from players, you know, now we're getting a lot of, oh, I heard you guys are good at the pitching thing. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's funny, but I, at the same time, it's, it's something we're pretty proud of. And, and, I, and I really would like to celebrate those guys for what they've done to contribute. And, and it's not always as simple as, hey, throw strike one. You know, there's, there's more complexity to it as we get into, you know, the, the development of each pitcher. It, that's a, both the minor and major leagues. You know, then we get into recrafting the way they use their arsenals or shaping pitches in a new and different way. And, and that takes talent. That takes commitment on the part of the player. You know, it's not just as simple as, hey, throw it that way. And, you know, we combine all those things and it's, and it's worked out really well for us. Talking to Jerry DePoto, our weekly conversation here brought to you by Seattle Pump and Equipment. Jerry, you mentioned Brian Wu. Uh, what do we know as of today? Uh, we know it's it's not a particularly long-term concern. We feel like this is a, an opportunity for us to try to manage what was a little soreness coming out of his last bullpen and be a little proactive in trying to manage the, the, the inning load that he's carrying. And now just give him a couple of days down. He'll get into a throwing program hopefully here in the next few days, and we'll know more about the, the timeliness of his return. But we don't anticipate it's going to be a, a long-range issue. Uh, and obviously this would be a good problem to have and probably not one you need to deal with today, but I'll ask anyway. If Hancock continues to look great and everything else is equal, what do you do when he comes back? You know, it's funny. We were actually intending at the after these off days. You know, we had an off day today. We had an off day um, on Monday, and it, our intention was after the off days to go to a six man rotation for a period of time, which would help us to manage the the innings for our young starters coming down the, you know, I, I guess coming down that last month and a half or or so of the season. And we still would like to do that. So we'll, we'll look at what happens here over the next couple of weeks with Emerson and the rotation. And, you know, our goal was to, to manage innings for, for those last six weeks anyway. And, and that's one way we can do it. And we had a, a plan laid out to, to manage it in just that way. And, and just like most plans, it got blown up when, when Brian, we walked in and said, Hey, I feel a little fuzzy today. <laughs> so it's, uh, but we'll, we'll get back to, to plan A and, and do the thing that, that we had originally planned to do, provided everybody's healthy and ready to go. What do they say? How to make God laugh? Make a plan? Yeah, that's it. We're, we're very good at making plans <laughs> that don't work out quite like we thought. <laughs>
That seems like that's baseball these days. Um, let's uh, just uh, the way the team is playing in general right now. I mean, obviously seven straight. What is it? Nine of 10. And I think it's 14 of 16. How, how, you know, not just how do we get here, but I want to focus for a moment on Scott's role in it as the team was not playing its best in the first three months. What, what is Scott's role in keeping them going and kind of getting them to where they are right now? You know, it, it, it's Scott's role has always been first around culture. And, you know, I, I think we came into spring training. We had very high expectations. The first half of the season, we didn't play our best baseball. We, we, round, we wound up in that win to lose to mode for quite a while. But our culture never really changed. You know, our, our players came to work every day. They worked their tail off. We have a learning environment. And, you know, we have a young team. And I know you've heard Scott say that before, you know, through the years. It's a, we have a young team, and part of having a young team is, is you teach and, and you work on you know, developing skills and, and awareness, situational awareness. And Scott has had his foot to, to the floor on that from day one. And, and in many ways, this, I think in what has been a really good three-year run, it, it, Scott has been at his best this year when – we did have turbulence on the front end. We had a terrible month of June. And, you know, when everybody's swirling around you and they, it's time to get down, he, he said, There's, this is different. This team is different. We just haven't found that vibe. We haven't found that groove. And, and you know, this past road trip, when uh, the, not the four-game trip to, to Anaheim, but the one before that, well, I was back here in Seattle, and I sent Scott a text after a game, and he said, we got that vibe back. Hmm. And – you know, that's it's a credit to him for, for believing that it was going to happen and for maintaining a real positive environment that was built around work and focus and and not getting overly frustrated by what was a, a frustrating series of events for the first three months of the season. Well, you mentioned you mentioned vibe. I, it makes me wonder what you thought when you saw this. Straight away center. Julio gauging, looking, jumping, and he did not get it. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He did get it. (laughs) Oh, man, you want to talk about psych. Tatis went into his home run trot routine. What was your reaction when you saw that? My, My reaction was... Boy, I wonder what Logan's thinking right now. <laughs> because he got me too. I think none of us knew he had the ball. And, and you know, in, in hindsight, looking at the smile on Tati's face, looking at the smile on Julio's face, the thing that comes to mind is, you know, what a great talent. You know, he's making that. I didn't even think that was the best catch he made that night. <laughs> he had an unbelievable defensive game. And he has a flair. He's, you know, he's got a showman to him that really – makes the fans a part of the game and and it's so much fun it's 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 fun to be around it's fun to to it's fun to watch our team when our team is playing with that kind of of vibe and and julio is is oftentimes at center up yeah it was interesting i I don't want to create a straw man and say oh there are people out there who were upset about it but i walked upstairs and salesperson here yesterday was like hey was that okay i was worried the other team was going to get mad and throw at him or something like that and certainly it didn't seem like anyone in the padres was upset but is that the type of thing that would have made people upset 20 years ago or was this type of thing always okay oh no that's a 20 years ago entirely different event and (laughs) 
you know, but baseball sports in general have changed so much over the course of the last couple of decades. And, and I think in good ways, it's, it's, a uh, it, it's, it's all related to the generation that you're in. And, you know, right now we're trying to, to connect with a generation of fans who this is what, this is what drives it. And, you know, the bat flip, the, the showmanship after making a catch like that, there's, it's, it's just a different game. You know, I, when, when we were playing, it was about facial hair and the color of your shoes and how much sock you were showing. <laughs> the, the game's moved on. And, and you know, I think in a, in a good way, uh, you are allowed to flip a bat. You are allowed to show emotion on a field. You are allowed to have fun with the opponents on a given night. And it's, it's funny, you know, never I, in, in my baseball life do I recall, you know, a hitter hitting a ball, smoking a ball and you know, an outfielder bringing it back over the wall like Julio did or, or we've seen in years past, you know, the hitter typically looks dejected or angry <laughs> that, that, that this event just occurred. And in today's time, you know, they tip the cap, they point at them, they laugh or they smile. It's a, it's a different community of players, you know, playing a game with a different type of flair in a league that I think is more connected to one another than it used to be. It used to be segregated by team, and, and now it is not quite that way anymore. Was it was it Bonds who picked up Ichiro when he when he stole a ball in the All Star game? You remember that? Yes, I do. And 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 it might be you know the first time that I can remember seeing yeah. it. There was a and there might have been one. I, if, if memory serves, like Tory Hunter in Milwaukee back in the All Star game in '94. But that's an All Star game. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, totally different. It always right? refers to the All Star game. Yeah. And, you know, never. Re, you know, it was Adam Jones in the the WBC a sure. handful of years ago. Uh, but but never in regular season games. And now it's a really common thing. And and I think it's good. I think it's good that the players have fun with one another and. It's they're playing a game and, and they were trying to make it fun for the people who are watching. And, and if you don't have fun watching the, that moment between Julio and Tatis, you know, and watching the bewilderment on the faces of anyone who wasn't sitting in the pen, <laughs> it was it was pretty fun. Hey, so one of the other things you can't help but notice about this team kind of post trade deadline, especially, is that you've gotten a little bit more athletic. How much of that was the goal at the deadline? You know, when we made our, our deadline moves and, and I was sitting in the, in the office with Justin, with Scott, with Carson Vitale, and, and we talked about, you know, guys like Josh Rojas and Dom Canzone, who came on the club, Cade Marlowe, who we had just recently called up, and, and others who have just made their debuts this year and changed the way we play. And, you know, the, the resurgence, or I guess the healthy resurgence of Dylan Moore, the things that Jose Caballero has brought to our team, you know, he, this is the team that we always envisioned having, the, that athletic team that could move the game, that could change it on the bases, that could take two bases at a time. Now, we've played excellent defense and truly excellent defense around the field. It doesn't matter the position you look at. It's a, we have been pretty awesome uh, for much of the year, but especially lately defensively. And in order to get to that team, you don't just – you know, blink or snap your fingers. It takes commitment from coaches, from Perry Hill, from Scott, and and really from a front office to go out and find players who fit that model. And 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 I think we're getting closer to the team that we always imagined we would have. That is a little bit more. You know, they're matchup capable. We have left hand bats, right hand bats, athletes who can play multiple positions, and 
and you know sound defense, good base running. It's it takes time, but it really is starting to come together for us, and I'm excited for it. Well, it's really interesting in the outfield, and obviously you've got another athletic outfielder who's on the shelf right now. Do we have any update on Jared's toe or foot? We don't. Uh, you know, he's down going through his, his workouts, his PT in Arizona and hope to get some updates. They usually come on a, on a Thursday like this. So might have one a little later this afternoon, but guys who are in multi-week, uh, rehab programs, we don't get a daily, uh, based on how much weight they're lifting or, or what their activity was that day, unless there's a setback. Well, so, yeah. There's another good question of, you know, what happens when, if and when he's able to return. Marlowe's been unbelievable doing, you know, stuff that he wasn't even doing in the minor leagues. You just brought in Canzone. What does your outfield look like going forward? Pretty good, I'd say. <laughs> you know, that's a, you know, that would be a very good problem to have. And, and, you know, the good thing is that, that you know, again, it, they're young, athletic players. We are flexible. You know, every player you just mentioned has minor league options if it's necessary. And, you know, the easy answer to this in the baseball world, and this takes us full circle to where we started with, you know, with the plans that you make in baseball are easily broken. And the odds of us all being healthy and ready to go by the time JK walks back out are pretty remote. <laughs> That's just the way baseball works. And, and we'll manage it when we get there and, and we'll see what happens. But we are, we are a better team with Jared. And, and I hope that, that he does make it back in time to, to help us get to where we want to go. So how does a guy like Cade Marlowe, who has always, you know, been an intriguing player, or at least has been for the last couple of years, how, how do his numbers, his patience, from what I've heard, the quality of his at-bats, how do they get better in the big leagues than they were in AAA? Uh, his focus is so good. And, and you know, I'll say this. We, we've talked at times uh, through the years about Tom Murphy and Tom's preparation, his focus, the intensity that he brings to the table. And, you know, Cade Marlowe has that kind of focus. He's, he's like different level focused. And it's it's really shown up. And it, and it started to show up, frankly, about two years ago. You know, Cade was a 20th round draft pick out of University of West Georgia, not, you know, exactly teaming with, with big names through the years. Uh, went into our system and immediately we thought, huh, he's athletic. He, he can do some things. And, and then we got a load of the personality and who he is. And, you know, he has always managed at bats, gotten on base. He has power. He has speed. He's a good base runner. You know, he can play all three outfield spots and has done it at the minor league levels. Consecutive years in 21 and 22, he was the only minor leaguer across all organizations who stole 20, hit 20 bombs and drove in a hundred runs. So he's, he wasn't an unknown to us. And, you know, we added him to the 40. He had an oblique issue. He came back. And the one thing I was talking about this yesterday on a podcast, the one thing that has been true of Cade in his time as a Mariner is when he gets on a heater, he takes it to a different level. He becomes the best player on earth for a period of time, <laughs> it seems. And, and uh, he started to heat up last month in Tacoma. And it was funny. We were sitting in a room just post-draft. And, and uh, you know, Andy McKay turned around and said, ah, it's happening with Kate. And I said, all right, let's get him in the big leagues. <laughs> because he does. He, he takes it to a different level in focus. And, and we're in the middle of one of those heaters for him right now. And, and his at-bats have been awesome. So you bring up all these pitchers. They're all coming up from Arkansas. You bring up a few of your hitters who have had some success in, in AAA and Tacoma. Why is it working that way? Why are all the pitchers in AA? Why are all the hitters in AAA? 
mostly environmental. You know, it's a, we've talked, you know, you and I have talked sometimes online, sometimes off about some of, you know, ballpark factors. We have a, we have a particularly pitcher friendly ballpark in the big leagues. You know, we have a particularly pitcher friendly ballpark in double A, you know, and, and we have more of a neutral environment and in Tacoma, but it is a particularly offensive league around them. So, you know, we generally prefer to leave the, the, the pitching prospects that we feel are in that skill set development phase of their of their minor league journey. We leave them in, in Arkansas for as long as we can because the environment allows us to test run different things like picking up a changeup, like sequencing pitches, like, you know, we call them green clouds, locations that we're trying to get the, the pitcher to, lo- to, to focus on and and you can do things in in that space in Arkansas when you're playing half of your games in a pitcher-friendly environment. You know, you can do things that don't cause for the pitcher to lose confidence along the way. And, and you know, conversely, we send the hitters to, to Arkansas, and it's a little bit more of a challenge. You know, it's a, it's, they are going to – they're going to hit a lot of really, you know, hard-hit line drives to left center field. They get swallowed up and – you know, as a result, when we see them doing the things that they need to do, controlling the strike zone, managing at bats, etc., you know, we'll move them along to AAA because they've met the challenge at the AA level. Hey, I know you got to run here in a minute. So do we. Any update on JP Crawford from last night? None. You know, we should know more today. He took a pretty good blow to the to the jaw, I think it was, and um, you know, didn't feel great. Obviously, removed from the game was a little woozy post game and you know we'll find out today you know a little bit more once he checks in with the docs after he gets up and starts moving around but um that's he has been i think he has been the central driving force in the middle of our lineup and 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 for our team for the entirety of the season really so uh hopefully if he's down he's not down for too long because he's been incredibly important to us and I'm basically a bad radio host. I just went 25 minutes. We didn't even talk about Cal Raleigh's home run last night because that was just magnificent. Very quickly here, how hard is it to hit a ball 450 feet to the pull side like that? At that kind of trajectory, you know, it's, it's, it seems to be his thing. You know, it's a, he he does it, and and, he, and he, it's not like it's the first time we've seen it live. And it's the uh, he does it pretty routinely in the batting practice sessions, but you know Cal has a hot spot and he's got a he's got a swing that was made for you know hitting the ball off those windows on that lofty trajectory and and uh, and he seems to have been developing a penchant for doing it in in dramatic fashion. So uh, I, I think again another player who has really started to gel over the course of these last five or six weeks, and like our team in general, even while we were struggling. Everybody did the little something to keep themselves near the water level. Nobody sunk. And, and now that they're all finding their groove, that we are finding our groove as a team, you know, we didn't have to climb out of this gigantic hole. All we had to do is get back above the water level and we could swim. Yeah. And, and right now that's happening with each of our players. It's happening for us as a team. And, and well, if you would have told me on opening day, this is where you're going to be, you know, at, at this stage in August, I'd say, huh, I'll take that. And <laughs> and if you would have told me how it was going to happen, I'd say, oh, my God, do I have to go that way? <laughs> do I have to deal with that? Yeah, I would say they're not just swimming. This is like a Michael Phelps situation over the course of the last five or six weeks. Pretty darn impressive. Jerry, thanks for doing it. Great to see a Wednesday win a couple weeks in a row. And uh, we'll talk again next Thursday. Sounds good, Mike.